Welcome to the OFX Podcast. I'm Dave Claxton, and along with me, as always, is our own ragged rascal born to run around rugged rocks, Bethany wow. McChesney. <laughs> that was a good one. Long that alliteration. Was, that was a tongue twister my brother used to tell me all the time when I was a kid. Was a ragged rascal runs around a rugged rock. Ragged rascal runs around a rugged rock. All the time. <laughs> it's good, but you know what the best tongue twister is and it's so simple what say toy boat five times toy boat toy boat toy boat <laughs> toy boat that's hard it's really hard yeah it's very simple and it's very hard anyway um we weren't going to talk tongue twisters but it just happened um how are you how's your week going good yeah the gym is really picking up now with now the um, vaccine passports lifting so I'm getting a lot more messages and stuff so it's it's good I'm really excited to see numbers going back up in our group classes so it's been busy in the good way I'm actually hoping to go out for sushi with some friends who have not been able to go out for sushi in a long time oh that's cool week, so we will see but I just saw a thing where some restaurants might be keeping the mandate you know I think that's a mistake though. Like just because I do too. You you're really gonna isolate your your business and your clientele if you do that. And that, that's I think that's a big risk if you take that. But I don't own a restaurant, so what do I know? Yeah, yeah, they can choose. Yeah, any business could choose to still keep it if they would like, but so I don't even know which there's so much to go through. I'm not even really sure where to start. I mean, we have High Rock stuff to go through. We have Spartan stuff to go through. We have CrossFit stuff to go through. I mean, there's a lot. All right, let's start with High Rocks. Let's start with High Rocks. Okay. All right, so High Rocks, Munich. Looked really good. And I think the first thing that, well, and I might as well start with what happened first thing in the morning. Tim Winsnick, and I'm sorry, I'm butchering every Russian name, man. Martin Musilius. Took a shot at doubles. Did you see anything about that? No. So two guys, and they are both guys who have run sub sixty high rocks. Um, I think Martin's done sub sixty. They're both really top notch guys. Anyway, they did come a little bit short. They were fifty two thirty two. So that's not too bad. That was won them the end of the day, obviously, but yeah. didn't quite touch Hunter and Tom Hogan, who are still there with fifty. 50, I think 21. So, I mean, that was, that was good. Um, so Hunter and Tom, they did this as well in Europe. They did it in, 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 yeah, in, in the UK. Yeah. And if you remember back, they did it on the sled that seemed to be frictionless. Right. We, I just remember the video of them running with it. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty light. Like Tom, Tom will say that for sure. How bad, how light it was and how crazy it was easy was to push. So, and you know what? So let's go into something else from this. So we'll all kind of lead to an area. This is going to get there. Um, that sled thing. Now from this event, we had a shakeup from the top 15 Now the top 15 are what qualified in Vegas. It's the top 15 times in the year go to Vegas. Um, sadly, right now, our, uh, our own TMFX, team, TMFX, team OFX member, Dylan Scott, has gotten knocked out of the top 15. Oh. Because um, oh, the Kroger 
has put in a, a great time and he had a great run. And so rightfully so, but also as well on the women's side, there's been another entry in the women's side. But the problem is, is this system a good system to pick the top 15 that qualify? Because we do know that is so different from venue to venue, from race to race. Mm -hmm. So is there a better system? And if so, what is it? Well, I think, I don't think it's necessarily a bad system in that Hyrox is as close as we get in hybrid racing, well, next to DECA, where we have a consistent race. And I think mm -hmm. unless you can, unless someone specifically knows why these sleds seem to move better in the European races than in the North American races, and you can isolate that and maybe figure out the difference, um, fix it perhaps, then I don't really know if there's another way that you're going to do it. What if you did something along the lines of, and I'm sure Jack Bauer could come up with a, a great way, but something along the lines of, okay, so if you're top three, you're in or something along that, that line. So if you're, if you podiumed at an event, you're in, but I guess I'll, I'll come down to how many people are there. But uh, yeah, and it was uh, Holger, Holger Corner who ran a 59-59 to win Munich. So that was a sub-60. Wow. And um, uh -huh. yeah, so what it, it is actually did, he jumped up there. And then that bumped Dieter Schwarzkopf out of the top 15. But at that same venue, Dieter Schwarzkopf bested his previous time and ran a one-minute one or sorry, one hour, 33 seconds, and that knocked Dylan out of his time. Uh, so now when you think about top-notch people in, in High Rocks, the next one on the list now is David Magida is sitting in 15th because oh, wow. so, many, <clears throat> so many Europeans have qualified from the, uh, from like a, the races like Madrid and stuff where... The sleds were so seemingly light. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, here, I'm going to run through the list here and I'm going to wreck some names, so I apologize. But Ryan Kent is in first with a 57.45. Tim Winsnick, Winsnick, like I said, who just went for the those record, 57.57. Hunter McIntyre, 58.49. Alexander Ronkovic, 58.50. And so far, we got Chicago for Kent, Manchester for Tim, Chicago for Hunter. Um, 58.50 for Alex Ronkovic at Madrid. And Madrid was famously fast. Yeah. Um, Tobias Ludwig, Vine, 59-29, Hamburg, Joffrey Vazin, um, 59-46 from Madrid, uh, Holger Corner, who we just talked about there, 59-59 from Munich, Cole Schwartz, uh, one minute, or sorry, one hour and 11 seconds from Madrid, uh, Michael Sandback, Sandbach, one minute 32 from Manchester. Dieter Schwarzkopf, again, like this was his bumped up time. One hour, 33 seconds. Rich Ryan, one hour, 35 from Chicago. Tom Hogan, one hour, 39 from Madrid. Thomas, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Verdick from Munich, one hour, 40. Mark Musilis. Uh, from Manchester, one hour, 49, and David Megiddo, one hour, one minute, and 51 from Dallas. So there was a lot of Madrid there. Yeah. That's for the men. For the women, we're looking at Viola Oberlander, 
104.56, which we know is an incredibly fast time for women, Madrid. Um, not that Viola doesn't belong. We know Viola is amazing, yeah, but that's a yeah. very fast time. Considering, so she ran that, and then just in Munich, she ran a 107. Mm. Right? I mean, that can be changed, but we just know there are some women. Lauren Weeks, 105, eight seconds. Rebecca from Dallas. Rebecca Nathier, 105.41 from Madrid. Miram von Rohr. I don't even know if I'm close on that. She was one. She And she's an interesting one. She just won Munich with a 105.53, a fantastic time. She is also very high ranked in the CrossFit Games. And I think, judging from, from this and in what I hear, she is going to be a legit player. In the CrossFit Games? No, no, no. In High Rocks to come. Oh, okay. CrossFit okay. Games, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But I just know that she looks very very good well suited um mm -hmm. linda Muir from amsterdam 10701 rachel vonderak 10730 from chicago lisa dungfelter uh 10732 from munich that was the other one that just happened she would podium there Alyssa holly from los angeles not from los angeles but in los angeles 10806 sabrina rothig 10821 from madrid Sarah Colty, 109.22 from Stuttgart. Sylvia Garcia, 109.14 from Madrid. Tara Jackson, 109.15 down in Dallas. Jezebel Kramer, or Kramer from Munich, 109.21. Chris Roglowski, Chicago, 109.28. And Camilla Missa, Massa, sorry, 110.27 at Chicago. There's a lot a of bit more diversified in the locations a little bit, but there's still a lot of that Madrid that sne sneaks in there. And it just, and like I said, when you see somebody like Viola, who, you know, we know what she's capable of. And then very shortly after each other from a one Oh four to a one Oh seven and Viola's not new to this. She's consistent. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, the point is it all just, I'm just establishing that. I, that system really isn't going to work. And I mean, Cole, like Cole Schwartz usually runs a 62, goes over to Madrid and runs a 60, runs a 60 and has said yeah. that the sleds were way easier. So he's been on both sides of it. So I don't know. I just, yeah. I wonder if there's a better system. What I'd really just want is them to figure out how to make it consistent. Yeah. Figure the sleds out. But this is kind of like, um, when people are trying to run qualifying times for the marathon for Olympic trials or our Canadian Olympic team where it's a selection, it kind of works the same. Like all courses are not created equal. Every course is 42.2 kilometers, but it's well known. If you want to run fast, you're probably going to head over to Berlin. It's a bunch of our Canadian women ran their qualifying times in Rotterdam. Um, Houston's a fast one, but like they're so it's just, it's kind of like that you're not going to try to run a qualifying time at the Boston Marathon. So maybe if they don't figure the sled thing out, if you want to qualify and you have to get top 15, maybe you're just traveling to Madrid because you know it's a fast setup. I don't know. And again, I don't know if there's another way at this point because this race is so standardized as far as hybrid racing goes. Um, there's some air within the sled, but everything else is created equal. I just, I think top 15 is just the way it's going to be. 
the other thing too that that does and we talked about it before is the rock zone and that seems to change every time too and yeah i just i i really believe that there is a way they can at least make the setups the same all the time yeah i, I struggle to see where the issue is with that um maybe it's a lack of exposure and maybe i need to see more and you know what i'd love to be on the inside and see why the issues are what they are but yeah we'll, we'll see um you talked about you just mentioned um you know everything being the same being equal from one to one and when we talked to tara jackson she brought something up about using the bucket and oh yes i'm like part of me is that this is blasphemy tara this is horrible <laughs> like uh-huh. you should use a bucket especially in the lead. and then i thought about it more and more and more and i'm like you know what i don't not the bucket but an actual m- mandatory depth for your squad like a, like say 12 inches so essentially getting your butt down to something be 12 whatever 15 inches in our arbitrary measurement yeah does make sense and it makes sense for everybody because the tall people have the advantage because they are closer to the target. Uh-huh. But they'd have to squat people. deeper. And that they have to squat deeper. And then the short people have the advantage. They don't have to squat as deep, but they got to throw the ball further. Ah, okay. So as, as like trainer, tell me, does that not make sense? Does that not equate out? So now you're going to also then expect that all the tall people are going to have really good hip flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they expect the short Facts. people to throw the ball way higher. I think I should think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll do it though. <laughs> but it eliminates any judging controversy. It makes right. it way simpler. And it is, in my mind, I think it's fair. I think Tara's on to something. Yeah, I've never seen that in any competition where you're judged on your squat depth, though. But I mean it's something. Hmm. But when you judge only on your squat depth, it's only the squat to take into consideration, right? So then it's definitely a disadvantage to taller people. But because they're at the advantage because of the higher target, I think it evens out. I know I've done, when I did RX1, me, myself, and John Cross were both there. And, you know, I'm 5'7". John is 6'3". So when he threw that ball at the target, he barely had to leave his hands. Whereas I have to hurl that thing. But to go down to the squat distance was much easier for me. I just, you know, so in that situation, because he only had to go down to his hips, he had a severe advantage. But uh-huh. if it was a managed, like if it was a standard marker, then it would even out. I would like to see then someone like Dylan do a squat depth that deep that would be the same level as m- me doing a squat. No, I think you, obviously you have to have a men's and a women's. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, Dylan's probably what, 6'1 or 6'2, isn't he? Something around that range. Yeah, probably. I I would bet that we could use the same same height. I think it would work. At least worth a try. Yeah. Tell you what, here's what we do. We'll set it up and Dylan and I will try it. He'll try it where he is. I'll try it here. And if he does the wall balls better than me, then clearly it works. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Foolproof plan. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, it, it, it did the last few events and there's more events to come, including this weekend. Um, 
this weekend in New York, we could still have more of a shakeup in the top 15. And we could have a lot of people that we would expect, or not a lot, but we could have some people that we would expect to see in Vegas not qualify. And that's just, it seems very odd. You could, we could have some very top-notch people out of the loop, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. But kind of scary. <laughs> right, yeah. There's certain people, I mean, if someone like David McGee gets bumped out of the top 15, like, I don't know, that's kind of an interesting place to be in and for him not to be at the world championships and now thinking about it that it is taking pretty much a sub 61 to qualify which is crazy it's very fast very yeah because there's only been two people who have gone sub two two or three people who have gone sub 60 on in, in north american soil wow so it's it's interesting but there's still the rollback system. So mm -hmm. if some of these people from um, the Madrid race or wherever they've got their times that are overseas, they might decide not to come back. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and you definitely could go that way. Um, this is another thing that I, and I mean, I went through this, that we, I, I, I'm happy and excited, but at the same time now I'm terrified and scared. And this is with high rocks attendance. Yeah. So we've been seeing all these posts sold out for London and High Rocks, 4,000 people. And that's freaking amazing. And yeah. recently, the last event in the UK, just the videos, it was packed. It was it looked like a great venue it was packed. It was going on. unbelievable. But then when I went back and tallied up the results from Chicago, just going through the results, I got 408. Yeah, that's crazy. And you look at that venue in Chicago and what that must have cost to get Navy Pier, and that's that's too different. Now, even if we count no shows, you know, you're probably like what maybe you can account. I mean, another five hundred people. And yeah, that that venue super expensive, but also High Rocks just playing overhead. Their setup is yeah. very high end. You know, their yeah. timing, their lights, their 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 whole. I'm um, showing and production is very, it's, it's first class. It's great. Yeah. But it's very expensive. It's a lot of gear to move around. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh God, like, like they would, that worries me. <laughs> yes. Well, and numbers are declining. So I like Chicago, when I was there at 2020, there was way more than that. And this is, you would think things would be going up too with COVID kind of coming out you know right. now could there have been some holdback from the mandatory vax for that event possibly yeah. you know but again i still don't think full entry would have been much more than 500 and that frightens me that does especially when we look at what spartan was doing this weekend and they were packed right so I don't yeah. know. Do you think? Do you do you think that 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 obviously that's not the kind of thing like Hyrox can't maintain on that? No, no, and I mean, I've said this to you before too. I hope then that they're looking at how they're what what's happening different in mm -hmm. at the races in London to see you know why are these numbers so high? Are they doing a better job of marketing, advertising for these events? Um, 
something we've said DACA does really well where they're going out to gyms and getting people excited about it and recruiting people to these races. So maybe if they did a little bit more out in the community before these races begin. I think Chicago, there's still a lot of COVID things going on and there was the restrictions again with vaccines at the point of Chicago. So that could have affected it more than we know. Um, I know Boston and Chicago have had harder restrictions throughout all of this too. So who knows if that's the case, then maybe um, Vegas will be a better indication of what the numbers are really like in North America. But yeah, they'll need to do something. Otherwise, Hyrox is not going to survive in North America with those kind of numbers. I think you're right about the community thing, because if you look in the UK, and especially like you can go on the Facebook page, there's a Hyrox UK community, and it's growing leaps and bounds, and it's involved, yeah. and it's it's active. And, and same with Germany, you've got a lot going on there, the same kind of deal. They're high rocks in north america like any you know facebook group or any type of community you, you're not seeing it like and i'm looking i'm you know I'm desperately looking i want to you know get involved and be part of that it, it helps us to be involved with and it's really not taking off that way yeah and that again that's concerning and yeah for, for that high budget like I'm, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom i don't want to because i really want high rocks to do really well um I mean, we're totally into it. We're totally on board and having fun with it. But uh, yeah, just those numbers are shockingly scary. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they got to get out into the gym, right? It comes down to grassroots. So get out to the gyms, get the trainers excited about it, get them bringing it into their gyms, training their clients for it. Like someone has to start some hype. So hopefully they can get that going. And I look at over in the UK too, as well, they're doing like these gym tours where they're going to the gyms and they're doing that high rocks PFT, which I thought was a great idea. And it's a good workout. Mm -hmm. I, like, I'm not seeing that over here. You know, I'm not seeing promotion of, Hey, we're at this gym, we're at this gym. And I mean, I know a lot of people think of DECA as like the little brother on this thing, but DECA is doing a great job getting around every these, these gyms and doing and promoting and promoting and growing and growing that grassroots way. Yeah. And High Rock seems to do it over overseas, but not here for some reason. I don't know if maybe the gyms aren't buying in. I I'm not sure. I don't know what to think of it, but I, I think that's the way they need to fix it. They need to get that grassroots going. Yeah. Um, and then we mentioned just quickly, about uh, and you know we'll talk a little more Spartan later, but I looked down the Spartan. Did you see any of from say Jacksonville the U.S. National Series? Like what? How how the kind of crowd they got down there? Oh, I didn't see. No, I didn't see the crowd stuff. It was huge. Like they had a great turnout. They had a good yeah. event. We'll we'll talk about the elite stuff later. But they had, uh, you know, they, this was the first race in the U.S. National Series, which is age group series. So it was very well well received and well attended and I can't go through all the winners and it's kind of the, one of the problems I have with this promoting the age group series is you can't focus on one section there's just too many yeah. um so the one thing I did see though and this was uh, actually it was little Fodium energy kind of made fun of this but I heard a lot of other people talk about it was there was bottlenecks during the competitive race so at the sandbag People were oh. waiting in line to get a bag because there wasn't enough. Well, the competitive race as in the elites? Yeah, the, well, the age group, the, the competitive age group. So you can see, and oh. I'll, I'll post a picture. Oh, of, no. 
a line of red headbands waiting to get sandbags. Oh no. And I'm like, oh, that's a bad look to start. Yeah. So were there not enough sandbags? Did they send them too close? So from what I heard, they were sending the waves every 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And the, the the carry, the sandbag carry was very early on. Oh, okay. So they were just a little too close together. And I don't know how, what kind of, what went into the thought process of doing that, or it could just be a simple problem of, hey, you guys need more sandbags if you want to pull this off. And maybe they had more numbers than they expected, but uh, that's just, that's, that's a shitty start to have that, which what otherwise yeah. looked like otherwise looked like a really great weekend and pulled off well. But to have that happen when you're trying to shine the spotlight on the age group people and then it's like, OK, everybody get in line and wait. It's like, oh, yeah. And what do you do? Like, what if you come up and someone decides to get aggressive and like bumps the line <laughs> and grabs her sandbag? Like. I didn't, you know, I didn't hear any stories about that. I, I didn't hear anything about anything going astray, but yeah, definitely. And as I know, if, if I'm chasing this guy and all of a sudden I get there and there's no sandbags, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> now I got to wait for someone to come around. Line. Yeah. Waiting in line at a race <laughs> when you're in a, like a heated neck and neck with someone, <laughs> like you just stop in line with them and have a little chit chat while you wait for your sandbag. Oh, I know. I know. And that's, that's, it's just. It was a tough one. I was disappointed to see that, but at the same time, it's it's Spartan. They're um, you know maybe they just got overwhelmed with more more people than they thought, which is a great thing for them. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I guess the age group heats maybe just blew up. The whole age group concept has gone blown up. It's massive. Mm -hmm. It's so much bigger than the elite wave. Yes. <laughs> like, I, and I don't just mean as like, there's more people. I mean, it just as a concept right now, it's become so much bigger than the elite wave. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, again, how that votes for the sport. Like, and, and I, again, hopefully later on, we're, we're going to talk maybe some contract stuff later on. But um, it just... It, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. I mean, I guess it's good for attendance, so that means it's a good thing for the sport. Yep, and I mean, they're still the ones paying the race registration, so Spartans making money off them, right? A lot of the elites and pros have their race fees paid for, so I mean, from a business perspective, it's a very good thing. Yeah, so I'll, like I said, we'll save that to talk more with High Rocks with our guests later, but there was, or sorry, a Spartan contracts with their guests later. There was one other thing from High Rocks I wanted to mention to you. I wanted to bring it up. And that was there was a new record sent by Christopher Hull, a 5950 for the open division. Should this even be a record? Do they need to treat the open division as just more of a, like, not a feeder system for the, for the pro division, but as just a completely different weight with lighter weights? And I was talking to somebody about this and I said, I kind of think maybe they should, because if I look at this and I'm obviously talking age group, I have a much better shot of doing well in age group in the pro division because of the extra weights than I would in the open because I can't run as fast as some of the guys that can do the lighter weights. So here's the thing, should that be a record and should it be a different division or should it just be a feeder system and you not 
call records for there. Um, I was trying to remember this, but they don't do podiums for open heats, right? I'm not sure if they do anymore. It seems like everybody's getting a banner. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually, I think they are. I think they um, uh, I think they do 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 the podiums for them because I saw this guy again with a banner, right? Okay, so it's basically just then a separate race. It's like. <laughs> It's like high rocks heavy and high rocks light. Yeah, I kind of think that way. Hmm. Well, then in that case, then have their own records. I mean, I I would much rather than do the high rocks light version. Yeah, but it, the, the difference being it's not paid. So if you are going to have them both be separate, then do you treat them as equal entities? Right. So if you're going to have records and podiums and then do you shift the prize money? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you, don't you? How would you do it? Um, well, I, I do kind of like the idea of that just because I find the biggest barrier to getting people into high rocks is simply the weight of the sled. So if you were still going to have the incentive of podiums and potentially prize money, and you, you might again increase in uh, the attendance at some of these races if they weren't so intimidated by the weight. Yeah, I think personally, I would, I, would, I would make it so that that is a separate event and is treated equally. And then when it comes to things like uh, the doubles, um, like say the pro men's doubles right now, they're not doing the pro weights. They're doing lower weights. And I would leave those at the pro weights. Yeah. And then obviously for the mixed doubles, you do the women's pro weights from there. But, you know, I think that's the way I would go with it. So I don't know, but maybe that's another way that high rocks could get more people gain interest is, Hey, it's not that hard you can you can win prizes and such in this division and because you don't see them promote their open way very much no but it's it's much more entry level friendly oh yeah yeah when i see the weights for that it is much better i mean it's still hard as hell like oh yeah the amount of You're reps still are still a 90 minute race yeah so i think that's it that so we saw the high rocks needs to go to gyms promote that open division and up the weights and also make a half rocks i'm still on that bandwagon <laughs> yes i think it's a great half everything you'd be good to go mm. so with that said we've rambled on enough time let's go to our guest and right now coming off the heels of his really hot start to the season back-to-back -back wins the double saturday sunday one and only vj jones all right so we'll wait he says he got the invite so okay this race didn't seem super well attended, unless I'm mixing up this one with Jackson. Arizona? Yeah. Yeah, he was in Arizona. Arizona, I don't know if it was as well attended. Yeah, it didn't seem like it. But it's uh, Jackson, because Jacksonville brought every age grouper in the goddamn country there. Right. I heard, I heard something like 15,000 or some crazy shit what? like that. Yeah. Like, it was insane. Wow. Well, then... They've figured something out from a business perspective. Age group is what is selling. It's massive. And 
like I said, I don't know if we went to, well, I figured we'll talk because VJ is kind of on the other side of the contract thing, but it's like the the pro team, I don't know why Spot didn't even bother. I wouldn't wouldn't have bothered in the least. No, now it just seems like it's money out. Yeah, it's it's not well, I it, it provides zero value. Like right. I was talking with Ryan. I said, I think I would do this if I was Spartan. I would have a 20 person, 20 men, 20 women. And this is my Spartan league for the year. It's only these 20 people. They're the only ones eligible, right? They go through the year and, and they're not Spartan pro team members. They're just eligible. You get your own sponsors. You want sponsors, you get them yourself. But we're going we're gonna to give you all seasons pass to the elite races, right? There you go. That's our, that's our deal. You got that. Treat them like any other thing. Let them wear their sponsors. Let them do their thing. You got those 20. At the end of the year, the top 15 are assured their spot for next year. The bottom five have to qualify against everybody else in the elite field, right? So the regular elite field. So the top five finishers from the regular year, the elite season kind of thing, you'd set it up so you have like a feeder, feeder league. So you'd have your regular, your 20, that's just your pro, and then your regular elite wave, they go, and then the top five qualifiers from that have a race with the top five qualifiers, or bottom five from the season, and then the top five out of that race make it into the next year's thing. So you've created another kind of spectacle race between 10 people. So for you 10 would go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Would, would then, would Spartan pay their travel? For the for the qualifier race? No, no, I wouldn't pay their travel. Well, no, for the the, the league people. No, no, I wouldn't do it. I mean, maybe if they want to, but I don't think. I mean, does any other league do that? Do does you know like does does Iron Man pay for people's travel and stuff? Or no, sponsors it'd be do? sponsors, really. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, that's that's kind of what I was. It's just a thought I had in my head. Yeah. So, because I, I just don't think what they're, I, I don't know, either way, I wouldn't have done the, I wouldn't have done the pro team at all. Yeah, well, it's, and it's weird this year. I don't know. The whole, like, A League, B, C, like, oh, it's like ranking people and <laughs> I don't like I don't, it. I don't know. That doesn't bother me much, but I, I don't like, or I do, I will say this from, like, the, the athlete's perspective. And I mean, Aaron is right on the money with it. He says a lot. Why am I going to sign, sign a contract to somebody who still owes me money? <laughs> you know, like. And he's not the only one. Like Emma said no. the same thing. So Daryl. Oh, my. Nicole had encouraged all of them not to sign. Really? And, yeah, and just work with independent sponsors? Yeah. So Savage is is giving them all passes to compete in the in the in the savage series mm. so i'm like i because I, ariel messaged me a bunch about it and she's like you know i don't know why she thought i'd know anything about it but she's like you know what do i do what do i do and i'm like well you do what's right for you right i said a lot of people bitch and moan but they'll end up signing right yeah like it i, I think a lot of them it's going to depend on who their sponsors are right because they still have the approved list right mm-hmm so, I mean, if your sponsors are on that list, so what are you really getting from that contract? Race entries? Pretty much. Race entries and, like, 
1400 bucks. So flight and hotel for one race, pretty much. Okay, so which you could probably, anybody on that list could get from a sponsor. Now, Aaron told me that um, Athletic Brew gives him five grand a year and VJ Shoes, I think it was VJ, um, he can get up to 7,000 in podium bonuses. So compared to Spartan giving their, like Aaron would have been, I think he's tier two or three or whatever like mm -hmm. 1500 bucks and then he you know he's locked in and he can't really work as well with other, other contractors like well i watched the whole video of that call and he did yeah yeah and um watson said you know as far as getting other sponsors he's like it's you know you send it's an easy easy form you fill it out and you know you can get approval and stuff like that and like it's really easy but he never said the fact that well, you got to sign the contract first and then submit your other sponsors. And what if they don't approve them? Right. And I, we know Spartan, you can't really trust them. No. Oh, God, no. There's BJ there. Hey. Oh. Hey, man. Mr. Jones. Hey, sorry, I had us down for six. Ah, that's okay, buddy. So, glad we made it, though. We were we were doing some ramble before about high rocks and stuff like that, so it's all good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, so anyway, we'll just jump, go right at it, right at it. BJ, there he is, BJ. <laughs> First off, man, congrats on the weekend. Two back-to-back uh, -back wins, wins in Arizona. Um, I assume that's how you plan to start a season? I mean, that was best case scenario for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's been kind of a rough start to the year as far as training and preparation and planning. Like I like to really plan ahead and have like a long uh, build and follow all my steps. So not having that go exactly as I wanted was a little rough, but uh, I'm, I'm actually happy with the way that I ran this weekend. I don't think it was amazing, but uh, I, I can't complain. And what, so, so fill us in, like, what went wrong? Why were things not quite as to plan? Because you can't just say we didn't go to plan and then not say why. That's fair. <laughs> um, so we started, uh, I normally like to start the build, like, before the year starts, right? Like a preseason type of thing. Um, ideally, I was trying to start towards the end of November, uh, beginning of December. Start trying to, like, just stack some consistent training. Not a lot, but just kind of lay some, some building blocks, and that kind of just didn't happen. Um, I had a couple things go on. I, I uh, got costochondritis, which is like an inflammation or damage of the cartilage uh, in your ribs. Uh, so that set me back three to four weeks. Um, and then as soon as I started to come back, I got COVID right at Christmas time. Uh, and it seemed like everybody got that about the same time, that, that old, good old Omicron. So that set me back like, six or seven days again. So then I wasn't able to actually start training until the first of the year, like the very first day of the year. Like New Year's was my first training day. It was like a three mile run or something. And I was able to just start stacking consistent training. So eight weeks in, we were able to hit this race, which ideally I'd like to see more of, uh, you know, a 12 to 16 weeks of training. Um, so with a championship race, like two weeks out, not, uh, 
not <laughs> ideal, but I didn't, I didn't lose as much as I thought and training's been going well. So, uh, you know, I think later in the season, like there's a, there's a lot of potential there. So before we go too, too much further on, so we, we both went through the whole Omicron deal as well. And I, so I wanted to ask you if you've had the same both. So I found that me shortly after, and I mean, it's gotten better now, but right afterwards I was finding that my heart rate was a little higher on my runs and my workouts than it was before. So I would, I would be, you know, not keep maintained, not having the same pace and the heart rate would be elevated. Did you have any of that happen with you? Um, you know, honestly, I came out of COVID feeling really, really good, which is weird. But um, no, I, uh, I found my climbing almost improved. Oh, yeah? I don't yeah. know how that really works together. But um, yeah, I went from like, well, I guess it was really no training, but my climbing improved a lot faster right after that. Like I was maintaining lower heart rates on climbs than I had, uh, like before, um, the off season. So I, I didn't really have any lingering effects. Uh, I mean, I might be a little controversial with like, I took ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine during my, uh, COVID time. And it made me bounce back really, really quickly. Like the sickness only really lasted before I was taking those. As soon as I, I was able to get a prescription filled and start taking, um, those drugs, like I knocked it in like a day and a half. And then I sprung back really quick, like no lasting effect. So, uh, I haven't, I don't feel like it held me back at all. It was just kind of an inconvenience at the time, really. Yeah. See, I didn't go through much symptoms hardly at all, but I just had that little bit of the heart rate. Sorry, Beth, go ahead. Yeah, no, I had crazy symptoms for, I was in bed for almost a week and then I had an elevated heart rate for four or five weeks after. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of people having like really lasting effects and it, it hits so many different people so differently um, as far as like affecting athletics or, or just like daily life and the different things that can happen to people. So uh, I was pretty fortunate um, where I, I didn't really feel like it held me back much at all, but I didn't have any, uh, you know, anything to base it off of anyways. I wasn't able to train for weeks leading into that anyway. So I was, wasn't uh, preparing to feel good by any means. You're just well-rested, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was an advantage. So you talk about the se season coming up. So obviously, you're getting prepared to – is it really defending your title now? Would you call that defending your title? Uh, I don't know. I Technically? It's funny that it's – it's. It, they're just calling it an elite series. I mean, it's technically the North American elite series, but it's still all the same people competing. So kind of – if you considered the national series was the elite series, because if you win the, the national or the North American elite series, you're still not the North American champion. You got to go do the North American championships to be the North American champion. So like, who's, who's the champion? If they have two different people win that. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I they always the have two different people win it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you can choose to uh, be the series champion or you can choose to be like the world champion. Those two people are very, uh, are usually different yeah well I, we've still been going on sorry we've been going on for a while that the the way they've set it up with the north american championship in Kelowna, that should be part of the series and then blue mountain should be the north american championship as it's at the end of the series which seems to make more sense but that makes sense I, i'm looking to wrap it up before then 
Uh, I mean, it's a little, a little late in the year. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get like four races and be done. And then I don't have to think about that and I can focus on OCR Worlds at that time. So do you think- So you're Spart- not gonna come to Blue? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the rules are and everything. I mean, last I heard, it was like, you know, you had to do a really long quarantine when coming up. I don't know if the rules have changed since then. Um, I mean, that was like when the series first got announced and uh, I don't know, it, it depends on travel. Honestly, I don't, I don't really have any aversion to coming up. I think it would be cool, but um, I don't know. It's kind of been off my radar right now. As far as I know, for Americans to come in right now, and this is changing very fluidly all the time. So yeah, as far as I know, I think you can come across with, um, with, without much issues. And I shouldn't say that. I, sh- I think probably right now, they probably still have it as the vaccinated can come across. So, I mean, yeah. there's still, there's still issues, but I think by the time, what is that? October rolls around. Yeah. Geez, hopefully. Yeah. We should be past there's it by then. I hope we're, we're like moving on. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it's just I, in an ideal situation, you know, I'd like to have it wrapped up in four <laughs> races. That would be ideal. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was. Oh yeah. That's in October. That's like oh, post OCR worlds. Ugh, I like to have my season wrapped up in September, honestly, with OCR Worlds, and then I'll, you know, think if I want to go out to Abu Dhabi or not. We'll see. So when Spartan announced their calendar here for the North American Elite Series, do you yep. think they were deliberately trying to screw you over, not putting in any sprint and everything like that? Do you think it was just like a big screw you, VJ? You won last year, not a chance. We're not letting you do it. I mean, I don't want to think that way. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't think I'm that important, but I mean, looking at all the races that they chose and the way they set everything up, it was like, we all know Watson's a really big fan of Atkins. That's no secret. So maybe he didn't like seeing his, uh, his boy getting beat. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think so, but I'm also curious why they're trying to like uh, really push their their longer mountainous races when it seemed like everything they wanted to do was try to make like a, a more spectator oriented sport and then they completely went the other direction and created events that were going to be really hard to watch and frankly not very exciting like I'm in a lot of these races and I watch them and I'm like ugh, you know it's a little it's a little dry um frankly it's just kind of boring the way they're putting the broadcast and everything together and uh I mean, there's ways to make it exciting. Some of the broadcasts come out really, really well, and others, it's just like, man, like it's hard to watch, you know, 50 minutes of people like jogging through the hills and no one's even close. You know, it's just like uh, taking turns with camera time. Um, but uh, another theory, other than just, uh, you know, Watson not wanting me to win, would be uh, that they're trying to make a big separation between. Uh, their like normal Spartan series and what they want to do with uh, what's it called Spartan cross because if you had a series that was fast and exciting why are people going to transition into Spartan cross because that's supposed to be fast and exciting Um, I mean that would make sense to me at least Uh, if, if they're really trying to push a Spartan cross series it would be a lot different than the elite series so they'd have more variety for athletes to kind of choose from and and different opportunities uh for like different types of athletes so um I mean that that 
from a business standpoint, that seems like where they would want to go with that. And I'm hoping that's the reason because uh, that'd be better. Dude, we've been trumpeting the Spartan cross horn since like the first day they made it out. And, and it's slowly been this terrible deflated <laughs> joy. Because <laughs> like, I would love to see. I think it was fantastic when they said that. I said, what a great idea. It's going to work. People will watch. People will see it. And then it just like they did one event that they didn't cover a lot of. And then they just kind of let it go. And like you said, they were gonna, they were going to throw money. There was going to be a series. There was going to be a big thing. I don't really know what happened, but I was very disappointed. I think the biggest problem I think that they ran into was they were realizing that it's harder to filter more people through this setup because it's a three lap setup and it's difficult to time and it's difficult to make money at it, right? To justify the cost of setting it up. But that's why I figured, and I've said this many times, charge like $20, $30, make it a 1K course, you know, your big, your big lot, your big uh, elite wave is going to do three laps. That's going to be your show. That's going to be your, your televised thing, whatever it is. And then charge open waivers, age groupers, $20, $30, one lap, and that's their race. And then you can filter them all through fast, right? You set it all up on right. Friday night. It's a little extra cash in the pocket. I think it would work. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, it, the one problem with trying to do a multi-lap format with Spartan's current business model is that they're, they're participation driven. Mm -hmm. And like Spartan Cross as a, as a competition and as a sport, it's, it needs to be um, either spectator driven or uh, like, media and television driven that they have to find a way to make money that way so that you can actually do it the way that you want to versus some version of it that allows them to drive a lot of people through because then it you know it just becomes like some side attraction versus like a serious event and um you know there's a lot of opportunity there and i think the short course format is going like the closest you're going to get to like really being exciting um but at the same time like i love watching say like golden trail you know like i love watching the golden trail recaps and all the races and i think it's really exciting how they put that together because they put a lot of effort into the media there so i feel like there's a way to make you know normal spartan race really exciting as well um with just better recaps and media and and, and going about it the right way they haven't quite found that formula yet but there's an opportunity there um but yeah i think if they can make spartan cross somehow sell that as a competition series um, specifically for elites or maybe do it just as an age group and elite thing so they can at least run more people through it but not necessarily um, just open waves cruising through it like thousands at a time uh, I think that'd be super super cool I mean I'd be excited for it I'd be there oh, I'd sign I, up. I said that would be the one Spartan thing that I would travel for no matter where it went and you know it would be all over that. Like I said, for the age group thing, I, it would be so exciting. It would be so much more. I actually was thinking the other day, this would be a lot of fun. And now I'm rambling. Think of like a, a four to 800 meter downhill Spartan cross type scenario. So you're running down a ski hill. You're looking at like 10 obstacles and then some heavy stations. It's all out sprint. I think it would be amazing to watch you guys all. It would be like border cross at the Olympics, but for obstacle course racing. All downhill. All downhill. Yep. Fast and furious. brutal. Canadian downhill right there. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Can't have rounds with that. It's got to be a one and done because people are going to be thrashed at the bottom. It wasn't for me. It was just for me to watch. 
So I don't care. Oh, that's fair. (laughs) Have you seen that competition somewhere in Europe where like uh, they roll a wheel of cheese down a hill and all these guys just bomb after it? Yeah. I always wanted to do that. That's just been like (laughs) a bucket list thing. I'm going to go out and and check that out one of these days for sure. I'm going to wear all the sponsors on and look like just this professional cheese chaser. (laughs) And uh, it's going to be serious. You got to go up to Wisconsin and get a whole bunch of different vendors. Yeah, dude. Oh man, that's that's uh that's a ten year plan though. Ten year plan. Well, hey, you guys could have long term goals, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you, oh, yeah, dude. You talk about uh, your your so your goals this year. Obviously, the elite series. You're going for that. You're gonna you're gonna wrap it up in four races and call it a day. Have a nap and then get ready for OCRWC. Three K top priority again, or are you branching out this time? Actually, um, you know it like bringing up golden trail and everything like that. Um, kind of like my three to five year plan is to try to work on my running game to where I can be a serious trail athlete and actually get these running legs like capable of something. Um, because that's just kind of what excites me the most right now. Um, like OCR, it's, it's really cool. And I, and I love doing it and I'll continue to do it always, but I don't know. It's not like, uh, lighting my fire the way that it used to. Uh, I mean, I do enjoy it, but I don't know something about just like running as fast as I can over the tops of mountains, like really has been like inspiring me lately. So, uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm really trying to stack up like some volume that I haven't had in the past and, and gain that skill set. So this way, the series shakes out actually works really well with what I'm trying to accomplish and getting used to like, you know, running mountains over longer distances. So this, uh, the series works really well. So I'm excited to, you know, go race in Utah and race in Mexico for those longer beast races. Um, it's not up my alley, but I need to learn, you know, it's, uh, like I've mastered everything an hour and less and it's time to, to step it up. And then going into OCR worlds, like I have the skill set for the three K and I feel like if I change up my training, I'm not going to lose that. I feel like my fluidity on obstacles and, you know, just top end running speed is going to be there, but I'm really looking at the 15 K and there's still only one person in all of OCR that I haven't beat yet. And that's Albin. And, uh, you know, winning like, uh, OCR WC is really cool and it feels good, but I, I don't think it was right. It doesn't feel like it was, um, the real OCR WC without him there. Cause I mean, he, no one's ever like beat him except like that one year where it was kind of like a weird technicality thing. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited just to race Albin and test myself uh, in both distances, but I'll be, I'll be swinging for the 15 K just as hard as I will for the three. Um, I feel like I have a better shot at the three K, but I, I definitely am going to go for it in the 15. Well, it's nice to know that in Spartan trying to screw you over, they've actually played into your hands. Well done. Very sneaky. So, but and I've heard people talk about it and I actually wondered, this is one of the things I always wanted to talk to you about after OCRWC was how, because people are saying Albin's not there. I didn't hear anyone actually saying he doesn't deserve it because Albin's not there. I thought people might say that because people are dicks, but I didn't actually hear (laughs) that. And I was glad, but I was wondering from your perspective, because this is you, were you, that was your big goal. As far as I know, that was your big goal for last year. And through no fault of, of your own or anybody else's, it, you didn't get the showdown you wanted. 
did yeah. that did that make it a little anticlimactic for you and maybe kind of spoil your your victory a bit for you or did you still were you still able to look at it as hey I can only beat who comes who shows up and I beat everybody I was um I kind of had my head on my shoulders like after the race more uh looking back and thinking you know I can only race who's there like that's I can't control who shows up to the race I mean I was there and I was ready for anyone in the world to to show up like um, if I wanted to be world champion, I had to be ready to take down anyone that stepped on the, the line. And I had my eyes on Alvin. Like I wanted to test myself against him. He's the man. And, um, you know, when he wasn't there, it kind of took a, away any doubt in my mind. Like I had won that race before I'd stepped on the start line, like in my mind, at least, uh, like I was confident I was just going to go through the paces so that they could hand me my check. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It was kind of, it was bittersweet to where I, I didn't get to win it the way that I wanted to. And hopefully I get that chance this year. Um, because like, ultimately it's nice to win races, but it's nice to win it like the hard way. Like one of my favorite experiences of all time is like racing in big bear because I got to race Atkins who's won the series more than anyone else. And he's arguably the best obstacle course racer we've ever seen. So that meant something because like I hold them in such respect. So not like not having that at OCRWC doesn't make it like the highlight of my career so far, even though it's the only world title that I have, there's other races that I look back on and I'm more proud of. Um, not to take away from anybody that showed up there, like it was still good competition, but it wasn't what I had focused on like the entire year. Like I had everything short of having a picture of Albin on my mirror, you know, like, um, that like I, I want I was training to to try to be capable of racing him because he's he's the standard so it was a bit unfortunate but um you know we'll get another shot so just a couple more things about OCRWC and actually I'm kind of interested to hear this year uh they've mentioned that there could be a more of a focus on balance with some more balanced obstacles and I want to know if that's something that intrigues you concerns you because we all know if anyone who's watched say ninja warrior or anything like that knows that balance can really even out the playing field is it something that would play to your strength or do you think that might be something that can concern you oh i'm fine with balance i i've been kind of bummed um but they they haven't implemented much balance like uh, my first my first two years when I was uh, doing North American OCR championships, they had, they had balance obstacles and like cool variations of it where you'd have to transition into like some upper body, like traverse and then back onto a balance beam or something like that. Um, especially things that require agility and speed and risk taking. I, I love that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have it like Spartan used to have a balance beam and uh, like the, the pylons that you'd jump across. And I'm bummed they took all that stuff out. Like that made it a lot they had more a zip fun. Line I feel like too. a zip line. Mm -hmm. I'm missing out on so much stuff. I got to get out of the US. Yeah, was that was that back one of the Canadian ones that they had that? No, in Greece. Oh, right. Yeah. A zip line or a yeah. slack line? Do you mean a slack line? Sorry. Yes, a slack line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they had a couple of those in the US. Like, back in like 2016 and 2017 that were uh that was interesting like sometimes they just direct you around it and then sometimes they'd make you go over it it's really weird um but yeah dude i'm happy to have balance obstacles i feel like it, balance and agility are one of like the biggest neglected skill sets that we like uh don't 
get to test. Um, some races really like test your grip and your rig strength and uh, like your coordination and that sort of stuff. Uh, we're kind of losing the power side of the sport, like any heavy lifts or anything like that. So um, I think OCR athletes are going to keep getting lighter from here on out, especially with the tire flip going away. Um, but I, I feel like balance would be a really cool thing to have. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm stoked for it actually. Well, if they take my idea, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell Adrian on, on putting in a uh, slack line teeter totter. So that's, that's, that's my goal. I want that one to be able to, I saw it. I've seen that. I've seen it in the yeah. time. It was fantastic. And I, yeah. I can build one. I know I'll make one up. It'll be great. I'd like to see um, some form of uh, like upright logs or uh, like telephone poles and some kind of traversal, traversal of those where there's different routes. It's almost just like a field of those. And all you got to do is get from one side to the other side. And it's like a minimum of like five steps. And that's if you're really like, you know, running through it. And there's all kinds of options. There just needs to be more risk and reward. A lot of these obstacles, they're really cool and they test you but um, they haven't found the best ways to like put risk and reward out there where people can make big moves and make it exciting um, and like skip implements and, and make these big jumps through the obstacles. Uh, it, it's kind of like you watch a Spartan race, almost everybody's doing the obstacles the same, except for maybe like beater or twister. And then you get like those two obstacles and then everything else is just a train of everybody doing everything the same way. So I hope like, there's some more innovation with OCRWC and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll see some more cool stuff because last year was like a pretty cool experience too. I think with the Spartan where you say you get the train of everybody doing the same thing, you, you hit the nail on the head with the risk reward, right? To save three seconds isn't worth risking two minutes of burpees. But if they were to move most of some of their obstacles are already this way, if they were to move it to a multi-attempt with a burpee buyout, then you know you see you guys coming in close and then someone might be willing to risk it because you know they'll just start the obstacle again and get a chance right you if you go to take a shay across beater right go from one to the other you're more willing to take that risk if, if you fall off all you got to do is go back and start again rather than you're out of the race essentially yeah yeah i i get that i mean the the way that they build some of the obstacles too there's not a way to really risk anything um like when you're uh when especially in the sprints right they they make the rig so easy it's just a bunch of rings it's like what can you do you're either going to touch each ring or you're going to skip some and that's that's the only option so there's one of two ways to do it and the speed isn't all that different um so there's not even an opportunity for you to take the risk like when i did uh beater in the race this past weekend like um I only touched it twice. Mm -hmm. I touched the first uh, beater and the, the last one, and then I hit the bell. And um, if there are more opportunities to, to really like use your, you know, like, I guess, comfort or comfortability on obstacles or confidence or obstacle losing my words, my obstacle efficiency, there are ways to use that more. I'd love that. Um, but right now it's pretty much just a cardio-based sport and then everybody just kind of participates in the obstacles. Um, which is kind of a bummer that I'm missing the Savage series, like the one that's coming up this weekend. I'd like to be there and, and race because, you know, their stuff's really difficult. They tend to go on the side of like too difficult because then most people that come through the race other than elites can't seem to get through it. Um, 
but not that's a little far <laughs> yeah dude like seeing you know the top four elite women come through and not be able to get through it and then somebody that was just kind of jogging along but is really strong can win the race changes the sport a little bit yeah but um yeah there all those races are just a little far for me but i, I would have liked to to get out there I thought last year OCRWC was chasing one of those things when they had that um, LCD rig where they were, where you could either go across those more space monkey bars or shimmy across back and forth each side. But I think they were off a little bit on the design and it ended up not, again, risk reward. That's right. Wasn't that wasn't in there. It, yeah. Yeah, it didn't, it, it was off. I think if they had taken the bars and put them like on a 45 degree angle, where if you're good enough, you know, say it's a five foot space in between the centers of each one, you can get big, long swinging monkey bars where if you can't, then you have to shimmy across to the shorter distances. So that would have been where I would have went with that. I don't know. Yeah. Cause like straight monkey bars, like I can, I'll pull through monkey bars faster than I'd ever lache a few times. Oh yeah. Like, Any, unless you made the. Anything under six feet probably. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, like you can link them together but it would be so much more energy and you don't maybe lose like a second, maybe against like a ninja warrior. That's really good at it. Uh, odds are like, it wouldn't make much of a difference in the race. I mean, if you made the monkey bars like twice as long and you only had to do like two or three liches, and then you had to do say like 40 foot monkey bars, that might be worth it. Make it interesting. You'd, you'd guess like how much time am I going to make up or save here? You know? Yeah. they need to make it like that was that european championship the one year where only like three people finish and no women and that's what we're after they've <laughs> gone so hard over in europe like especially i've watched some clips from russian ocr races they're insane like it is it's practically ninja warrior and then they just like run in between um and it's back to back they'll do like six or eight rigs and they're on those rigs for a minimum of 30 seconds and they're all just back to back to back to back to back. And it's, it's wild. I was watching videos of Leon from European Championships and it's pouring rain. And he's been on a rig for like 45 seconds. And now he has to start doing these laches on powder coated bars. So he's lacheing and he's throwing his elbow over it so that he doesn't slip off. So you're lacheing into a chicken wing and it's just brutal. It's uh, definitely different. Um, the athletes that are champions over there are definitely different than the athletes that are champions in the U.S. Um, it's, it's almost a different sport in some of those countries. That's obstacle course racing. That in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a very, like, cardiovascular sport. And that's why I feel like it's so easy to transition from here, like, and me wanting to go more into, like, mountain running. It's a decent, like, stepping stone because the way the series is going, it's going to be like, who is the best mountain runner? And they can still like do a few pull-ups. Um, that's like the biggest challenge. Yeah. You've dabbled in DECA a bit. We've seen you do a couple of uh, yeah. DECA strongs and stuff like that. Um, are you going to take part in the Colorado DECA fit, which seems to have like the best lineup going into the men's field? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll hop in. I mean, it's close enough. Uh, I'm not training for it by any means. Like I haven't touched a ski erg in months. So uh, I'll just be kind of relying on a little bit of finesse and just some racing experience to get me through that. Um, I think it's a week after San Luis Obispo. 
and I just did all the previous decas for fun, like friends were going. So I'd go hop in and then um, Kent wanted to do the deca mile. And that was a good like sharpening workout for Hildervat last year. Yeah. Um, so I'll be, I'll be hopping in. And the main reason is I want to see if I can qualify for the world championships that they have or national championships or world. I'm not sure it's called um, that they're having. <laughs> yeah. The championships that they're having in November, because uh, I just like to have a ticket there. So I have the option open if I want to go because uh, you know, hopefully the season will be kind of closing out right there and I can just do some specific work because I've done pretty well at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not like upper echelon right now. And I, I mean, I haven't done any specific prep for those events. Anytime I've done them, I've just hopped in and my, my results were not too bad. So if I did some specific work, I think I could do pretty well. I mean, it's not high rocks. It's just work capacity and it's light. The only, the only thing that I feel like I'd really lose any ground to someone bigger, like say Kent would be on the bike. Like I can farmer carry just as fast as he can, as long as I can hold on to the weight or anything like that. So now I'm, I'm interested to go out and test myself. I don't expect to win, but I'm excited to participate. I think different, that, though. that might be one of the hardest things to qualify for that's coming up this year though. Cause it's only top 12. Get, get qualified for that championship wave and that's oh it's time-based yeah time-based so like top 12 times throughout the year or what and i mean oh jeez, that you see what i mean like that's that's a tough qualify and, and i'm gonna be at altitude yeah yeah Gnarly. yeah so i mean you, you like the guys you see out there i would obviously i mean my guess would be to see you probably in in the 5k or the full deck of fit would probably be where you would have your best shot as opposed to the strong or even even the mile but because you get in a strong and then some of the crossfitters seem to manage to pull up ahead there. And yeah, then, then the miles that middle ground, but with, with your speed, you would think that the, the deck of fit might be your best shot at it. But yeah, that's what we're going for. Um, when I'm out there, just give me a little more time to work. I think I can do pretty well across like most of the disciplines there. I haven't had any issues. Um, like Kent's gotten a lot more fit since we did the deck of mile together uh because i was able to like match his skier paces um and stuff when we we're on machines but he's he's uh far surpassed that like out of shape version of himself that he was um but i'm excited to have him there because he'll be the standard for everybody so if i can latch on to the back of him and um you know make up a little time in the run and be willing to sacrifice some time on some stations I'd be interested to see how it shakes out, but against him and Rich Ryan, who are specifically focusing on that sort of thing, I'm not, I'm not in that realm, but at the same time, if they come step onto like an obstacle course, it's going to be a different story. Right. So um, yeah, I'm excited to test it out. It's, it's definitely a fun, like a fun racing format for sure. So you mentioned the tire flip going away. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on with the Spartan pros and the contracts and you were one yeah. of the first guys who said, you know what, I can, I'll, I'll branch out on my own and I'll do my own thing. Um, I'm assuming that's going to maintain the course. I mean, I don't want to speak yeah. for you, but how do you feel yeah. about the way this whole new setup has, that has done with their tiered system and, and what, what's going on there? How do you, what's your take on it? I mean, that's a, that's a, a deep diving question. Um, First off, I don't like, I just want to preface everything with, I don't think Spartan should be paying athletes um, outside of prize money 
Or if you want to do a photo shoot where you're going to make some advertisements using some elite athletes, go ahead and pay the athlete for, you know, the time that they're going to spend with you doing a photo shoot or something like that. The, this like, we're going to throw you some change and in, in exchange for that, you're going to do all this stuff. Like, I feel like that's totally unnecessary because the way that they're going, it's like, they're trying to shoulder, like keeping the elite side of the sport alive by like, you know, per, supporting athletes on their own dime. When, if they just increased, uh, prize money, if they increased, um, how they're broadcasting in the media around the elite side of the sport, I think we'd be able to provide for ourselves just fine. Like the contracts that were going around from sponsors a couple of years ago were insane. Like some athletes were clearing more money than I've ever seen. You know, and I'm like, I'm up there. I'm in the upper echelon of the sport now. And I'm like, I mean, I'm doing okay. I'm putting some sponsors together, but I'm not seeing the money that these athletes were making in like 2017 um, because they were really pushing the elite side of the sport. When I first made it on the Spartan Pro team, I popped like, you know, two, 3,000 followers in a night because it meant something. Um, and then when I won my first, or when I podiumed at my first U.S. National Series race, I popped followers again on Instagram and, and everything just kept happening like that. And that's because the elite side of the sport was being watched. They were pushing it. They were trying to build it and like have good media around it and feature the athletes and get them involved with just like, uh, just featuring the sport side versus just the participation experience side. And I feel like that's really dwindled like it's still there. Like they're still trying to put broadcasts and stuff together, but they don't really feature it. Like you look at the Spartan race Instagram and like half of it, I don't know what's going on on there. And then if you look at the actual like Spartan Instagram, like I don't even look at that anymore. It's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're promoting on there and what, what direction they're trying to go. They're just a lifestyle brand, I guess, at this point, less of a, a, a race organizer. If, if it was up to me, I'd scrap the whole like funding of the athlete program and uh, take all the money that they've pulled from all the different like smaller events and everything from not paying any athletes and try to build some good media around it. Just like if you created something that people want to watch, we'd be able to fund ourselves. There'd be plenty of opportunities like look at all the views and all the attention this sport is getting. Let's, let's sponsor some of the top athletes in the sport because they're getting a lot of eyes on them. I just won the U S national series and people, nobody really knows like, you know, cause you're like, you follow the sport really intensely. And there's some people that do that, but outside of that, most people don't even know there's a competitive side to Spartan race. They just know that it's like, Oh yeah, they go like run in the mud and like crawl under barbed wire sometimes. Right. Like, um, but when you talk about say like basketball or something, you immediately go to the professional teams, start thinking about the top athletes in that sport. They're just going about it the wrong way. If they want to actually build a sport, then they need to like just start featuring athletes more. Um, I mean, they, they hold all the keys right now to just like giving all the athletes the opportunities they need by just building better media. They don't need to spend like any money giving it to athletes. I always thought it was silly in the first place. Like you think how many sports are paying the athletes to like show up? Like, that's kind of weird. Um, if you make something that like 
draws a lot of attention. Well, we're all still going to be there. Like all the top athletes are still going to show up. So um, I don't know. And it, it's kind of sad. They lost the like incentive programs that they used to have where if you podiumed at a race, you'd earn your entry to the next one. Like you used to be able to earn race codes by podiuming the races and um, you used to be able to earn a season pass for some of the top performers of the year. Like you used to have like those top like hundred athletes of the year would earn a season pass for the next year. And that's huge. Like that's the biggest support like anyone could ask for. And that's why a lot of people are just considering signing the contract because I'm going to get a season pass. I don't have to pay, you know, $230 every time I want to sign up for a race. Um, and I mean, with local races, you know, I didn't make much of anything going to Arizona. Like if I didn't have sponsors backing me, it would have been completely ridiculous to go to stay in Arizona, get my flight, rental car, all that stuff off of, you know, 500 bucks and paying registration because registration, uh, you know, takes up at least half your prize money for the weekend. And then you have to pay for everything else in the trip. So you're pra practically breaking even. Um, those incentive programs are probably, say it again. That's provided you win. Yeah, that's it. Like if I win and I make $1,000 on the weekend, somehow I have to provide for like, you know, registration. I have to provide for all my, you know, uh, lodging and uh, transportation, everything. There's no way to make money that uh, like there. It's just not possible. So yeah, dude, I, I feel like they just kind of went a, a weird, different direction. And a lot of athletes are like really crying about it and wanting like more from Spartan, but you shouldn't want anything other than them building like a nice platform for you to like be promoted on and earn your way. Like people get good performances, feature those athletes that are up and coming and having these great performances. They'll build their own following just by you featuring them. And then they'll be able to get paid based on, you know, the attention that they're having already. Like, I don't think Spartan should have to pay us at all. They should just give a platform for athletes and then we can get paid by our own means. Yeah. And to your point too, about using that money for media, ultimately it helps the longevity of the sport. Like if we're not more visible, you're not going to be drawing people in unless they have some connection to someone who's already doing it. So now you're still just kind of relying on like word of mouth and personal connections. So, and also with growing the sport on the elite side, if there's no real incentive for people to keep moving up, they're not getting their, the media attention, the prize money is barely covering costs, if that, then we're still kind of keeping the group of people that's doing it really small. So that's a really good point then, shift that money elsewhere to growing the sport from a media perspective. Yeah, dude, I think that's like, uh, bring back the incentive program so it doesn't cost you anything other than, you know, a little bit of registration for the few athletes that are on the podium so that people can earn their way onto the podium. If they're there, then they get the opportunity to, you know, come back, keep that uh, season pass earning thing. And then all that other money should go directly into media. Um, like, I don't want Spartan to pay me. That's kind of ridiculous. And then, I mean with everyone talking about the contracts and everything that came out, like they wanted so much for, uh, for the, like I was a tier one athlete, one of the three in North America. And um, for $4,000, they wanted you, they wanted more work than any of my sponsors are paying me. And I'm making more than $4,000. Like, um, so it wasn't, it wasn't worth it at all. Plus like my main thing is like, if someone wants to sign up, that's fine. But 
they don't allow you to have any other sponsors that conflict with Spartan sponsors. And all of my sponsors are conflicting with Spartan sponsors. And that's one thing I like to do. I like to bring brands that aren't involved in OCR yet, bring them in and create some competition with what's already there. And that's like, that's good. That's bringing new money into the sport. That's bringing new attention, like a whole market, like that they're working with is, is like coming into the sport, getting attention there. That's, that should be good. You shouldn't want to just like, all right, now no one else is allowed, you know, to make money from anywhere else. We dictate however much money you can make. We're going to tell like what brands you can work with and which athletes get to work with those brands. We're going to make all the decisions for all of the elite athletes. It's just too much. Like you want to give me a couple bucks for like some travel money, but then you, you get to say how much money I can make unless I'm selling races for you. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of silly. So uh, David Watson, if you're listening, scrap the whole thing, go hire like more media because those guys are way overworked. Like after doing media and Telluride, and in West Virginia, like those dudes are swamped. They are way understaffed and they're working really hard, um, but they just don't have enough hands. Like just put more people and more money into that, make a sweet broadcast uh, and, and feature elite athletes and all like every time they post some nonsense with some influencer, it just annoys the crap out of me because they don't know what they're doing. If there's some moron doing burpees in the ocean, like you think any of the top 10 athletes on the planet are doing burpees in the water? <laughs> no, I bet you we're not even doing burpees. I haven't done a burpee in years. <laughs> like, what am I doing? So it's like you have so many athletes dedicated and living this lifestyle and you want to show some chump doing kettlebell swings in knee deep water. What are you doing? Like I wake up every day with a singular goal of being like the best Spartan racer on the planet. And you got this guy like, you know, wearing knee sleeves in the water. So I don't know, dude, like just give the elites a chance to like, you know, build the side of the sport. Like it'd be so easy. Like I'll cut, hire me. Like I'll, I'll write you the 10 step plan. I'll help. No worries. You're preaching to the choir. <clears throat> to the choir. We've been we've been saying this stuff for a long time. I've often been the advocate of the Spartan protein makes no sense. Um, it, it never has. I mean, the only time I would, if I was Spartan, the only thing I would have as a protein, if I did one, is I would have two people, and I would send those people to race Savage, so that they could win Savage right? with a Spartan shirt on. That would be the only time I would do it. Because that makes sense, right? Then I'm going over there. Otherwise, it makes no no sense to me. It never has. I don't get it. And I'm with you too. What do I want in, in as far as in the elite field? I want rivalry. I want competition. I want VJ CBD company versus Atkins CBD company. And I want those two companies to want to fight each other and dump more money in. That's, yeah, dude. That just seems to be the way it's done. That seems to be logical to me. I don't. I mean, if you compare it, I think you have to compare it to like Ironman triathlon, but only that, you know, and I know Watson loves this auto racing. You need to compare it to there. And Formula One doesn't pay the drivers. The sponsors pay the drivers. And that's right. how you drive it in. That's, that's And they don't even make, like you look at most professional sports. Like I, I grew up watching motocross yeah. and seeing like how much prize money there is at a supercross race. 
not a lot, but you best bet when they're on the podium, they're getting mad bonuses from their sponsors because there's so much media attention around winning one of those events. There's spectators, there's uh, all these different media outlets. It's broadcasted on TV. Like uh, people, they're, they're paying tens of thousands of dollars for a, a logo the size of my collarbone on their jersey, you know? Um, because there's just so much media attention and something that people want to watch. And, and one thing I think that Spartan really failed to do that they were kind of doing in the past was building heroes. Like you look at uh, like Ninja Warrior as an example, half their show is just about uh, giving these athletes some kind of character and something to cheer for or making a villain or people that you want to succeed or you get to choose your faction or your team and you follow and you cheer these people on. Um, they don't, they don't feature anything about us unless it's about, you know, Atkins riding his bike in the Iditarod. Uh, you know, we don't know anything about any of the athletes. The like they, they probably don't know. Athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Not like you, you don't know anything about me. I mean, maybe you guys probably do You probably follow me on Instagram, but unless you like follow me on Instagram, Spartan probably hasn't told you a thing about me. I'm just this guy and I'm the national champion and you got no reason to cheer for me other than maybe you like my hairstyle, you know, I'm like, against the hair. Sorry. Oh, I guess. I mean, that, that's like your, your, your squad Jealous. over there. You know, I, I feel it, yeah, it but, um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I mean, um, I feel like media is the key to the future of this sport. And, um, you know, if they don't figure it out, someone is, someone's going to figure it out and, uh, they'll, uh, they'll take it out from under them. I mean, this is probably like a really weak point. Um, and as far as like the elite side of Spartans, like OCR presence right now. And if someone wanted to really step up, like I bet if Savage Race stepped up, said they were going to bring in a media team and they were going to, you know, triple the prize money on everything no one would show up to any Spartan races. You'd see everyone in the, the Savage series and they could probably take over at least the elite field if they were willing to do that. Um, because frankly, like their prize money isn't really uh, worth, worth it enough, especially with the current broadcasting. Like I appreciate, you know, like OCR or um, like obstacle racing media trying to like put out some broadcasting and everything, but it's just like, it's underfunded and there's okay. just no money in it. So it's like, you're, you got a guy running around with a cell phone, hoping like that you have enough signal to like keep the broadcast up. But imagine if like you could bring in like a cell booster little tower in there and you had a couple guys like running around and, and collecting actual stuff. Uh, yeah. Like imagine if there was a little bit of money into a broadcast there and then you had some real prize money. Oh my gosh. Savage is like way more exciting. The races are faster. The obstacles are fun to watch. Frankly, it's, it's, it's got all the tools to be something better, but they're just not trying yet. And I, I don't know if it's like, they don't have enough participants or what the deal is there, but like if they, if they like, you know, put it out there and, and tried it and tried to become like the sport that in OCR that people actually want to watch, I think they'd, they'd take it easy. You know, and it all cycles back to Spartan Cross. And if they just had done that and video <laughs> were great. Even like the stadium series, the stadiums were the most exciting races of any of the races. Like I love running up and down mountains. I've like, I moved closer to mountains in Colorado. Now I live like 
right near Manitou. So I have the incline there. I'm running Red Rock Canyon every day. I got Pikes Peak. I can see it from my counter when I'm eating breakfast in the morning. I'm like right here. I love running mountains, but God damn, is it boring to watch? At least in Spartan, like Golden Trail figured it out. I love watching Golden Trail recap. Sometimes I'm a golfer a run. I'll like be lacing up my shoes, watching like, you know, old races with like Killian Jornet just destroying people. I get really excited. But, uh, you know, I only watch the broadcast from Tahoe of Atkins winning, you know, the North American championships once. It didn't inspire me. It was too, like, slow. And, I mean, it's, in, like, if you're standing right there and you get to watch people go through obstacles, it's really exciting. It's just somehow they're not capturing that energy on camera. And, you know, sometimes they stumble upon an exciting race like Jacksonville where we had, like, three or four different lead changes and everyone's booking it as fast as they can. But like, I don't know, they got to find some way to just capture the energy that is actually at these events. Like the three K dude, I was so bummed that the broadcasts from like both media companies didn't come out as good as they could have for OCR worlds. Cause being there watching like hundreds of people move from one part of the course to the other. Like people are flocking to watch the elites. It's like nothing else. Um, like they, you don't even get that in, at Spartan. Um, not the same way where it's just a, because everyone's already raced that day. And then you have the pros take off after everyone else. And everyone that's already raced is sticking around waiting to watch that. And since it's such a short race, people are flying we're running as fast as we can in between all these obstacles we're like jumping through everything and it's so cool just to have like you feel like the entire festival almost moves with you as you go through the venue so uh i don't know i, I feel like if they could capture that too i was really surprised that red bull didn't like uh bring in their own media team to capture and film everything because like what a what a killer experience. Like the media they have around Conquer the Castle in Denmark, it's amazing. It looks super cool. Like maybe they don't put it together as like a race recap as much as they just want to show the event. But I mean, all it would have taken was sending out a couple of their already, like the video dudes that are already on their payroll, capture a little bit of that. And like, I bet Red Bull would have been heavy into the sport after that. But I mean, I'm, I'm happy they're there like a little bit, but I mean... Maybe so much last, potential. Maybe last year was just a foot in the door and maybe this year they will do that. Like, and I've, I've been on, you know, the commentary side with, with Bracken and tried and, and it's just, it is really, really difficult without the funding to have proper video and proper production and all that. So yeah, I would love, I'm the same. I would love to see them come in. I would, I would, it would be amazing to see their kind of production values go through. And I think that three K race, you're exactly right. And you almost see the, I remember the biggest one for me when I saw it was at Blue Mountain for OCRWC and going from obstacle to obstacle down to the bottom of the hill. It was like the uh, equivalent of people watching golfers on the PGA Tour going from hole to hole to hole just yeah. there. And I mean, it is, it's exciting. It's fantastic. You're at a rig and there's like 150 to three to 300 people screaming and cheering for people to get through the rig. And that was, that's, you're right. That's what they need to capture. And that's probably the missing element is on, on any of the broadcasts that I've ever seen anybody do, there is no excitement captured. And yeah, dude, you know, there's an art to that. There's you know, production bell. Yeah, man. 
I feel it. I, uh, I like sincerely hope that they figure it out because that's like what's going to hold the opportunities for, for the athletes to make a living in the sport. And then that's going to make it that like they go hand in hand. If you don't have good media and opportunities to feature athletes, then you're not going to have athletes to feature. And then it's just going to all kind of fall apart, but it has to come from like both sides. As long as Spartan gives us a platform to promote ourselves and to race, then we can provide you know, ourselves with the money and, and dedicate full time to this. And then that makes better broadcasting and more athletes to feature and more interesting features. Uh, so it like, it kind of plays off everybody. And, um, you know, as like the, the athletes that are actually dedicating full time to this or dwindling, it's like, it's going to be harder. And like, eventually there won't be an opportunity for them to kind of fix it. Um, like, cause there's starting to like some young people are kind of popping into the sport. I mean, I've been here, so people kind of forget that I'm only like 23. So when someone new that's like 23 pops up, it's like, oh my God, wow, it's so young. <laughs> um, but like there's opportunities for these athletes and I hope that, you know, they kind of figure out whatever they're going through and, and whoever's responsible for putting the brakes on, like, you know, building it. I hope they figure it out for, for the sake of the athletes that are coming in. Cause like, you know, I'm not technically supposed to peak in my athletic career until my early thirties and uh, the way it's going, I don't know if my early thirties are going to feature any OCR. So <laughs> I, I hope it does. Well, I think uh, the way to bring more high level athletes in for to cover dwindling pro athletes is, and you said it earlier, very simple, just make bigger prize money and they'll come. Pretty much. Yeah, dude. Feels good to win. Like, I, I was really bummed last year. Like, I put so much into winning that series, and then they cut the money in half. And I was, I swore, I was like, dude, I just, I just won the U.S. National Series. I'm going to make, like, all this money. And then they, like, you know, it wasn't that much money. It was a little bit of a bummer. I was like, man. Like, I was, I was, I was telling my dad, I called him. I'm like, dude, like, I just made $15,000 today. Like, this is going to change my life. And he's like, you didn't I'm like, where'd you see this? And we started like scrolling, like searching like Spartan race pages. And we finally found out that they had like cut the prize money in half. And I was like, dude, that really sucks. Like, um, honestly, last year's U S national series was kind of a disaster on many fronts. I mean, I'm sure it was hard bouncing back from COVID and all that, but like, um, my girlfriend won the U S national series for her age group, like worked her ass off for it. I was like so happy for her. And she went and stood up on the podium and they didn't have anything for her. She didn't even get like a Delta, you know, to show that she had like raced all these races in the year and won, like, like she won, she, she won her age group race in big bear by like 10 minutes, like just absolutely annihilated and had nothing to show for it. And it's such a bummer. Um, that was kind of disappointing, but I mean, I'm glad they're like featuring it this year, like with the age group series, uh, you know, I hope they get like recognized more, but yeah. Kind of a bummer last year. Well, maybe focus on some better things like right now. And maybe this is why she did so well is you got yourself your, your training program going, right? You guys, yeah. you guys new, new training program. So tell us about your training program. Yeah. Um, I kind of stopped pushing it for a minute because it's like a weird time to try to hop in and, um, you know, right between races. Like I don't want you to change your training a week out from a race and then get like all messed up. 
but I wanted to build something specifically for age group athletes because uh, I've always loved watching age group races. Like I don't always have the opportunity to, but when I do, it's like these guys are just as hungry and like dedicated to the training and racing and they race just as hard as elites. And it's really awesome to watch. Um, so I built a program that was called the, uh, the age group guide to the U S national series. And I built a, um, periodized program for building into these races with tapers and strength training. And, and the way that I would approach the series, um, like, yeah, basically the way that I would approach racing the entire series and trying to list last the entire year. Like a lot of people build their routine and they just do the same thing every week until the race comes up and then they take a day off and then they go race and then they go back to what they were doing, which I mean, works to an extent, but there's so many athletes that are traveling across the country racing often and want to like, you know, get better and improve. And I thought I could like provide a little tool for them. Um, it's not like one-on-one -on -one coaching or anything, but it's a template that you can follow and it comes with a PDF that you can kind of scale um, the workouts back to kind of fit where your fitness is and build up into it. So I'll start pushing it again um, after San Luis Obispo because you'll have a nice longer build to try to like accustom to the training and get some benefit out of it before Big Bear. Um, but it's built like into the series. Like when, when you register for that program, like you'll get you signed up on Training Peaks. I'll drop that program onto your calendar and it'll program like all of your builds, your down weeks, um, and how to taper for events. Gives you advice like in the training calendar. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I was, I was actually really proud of the product. Like, uh, they announced the series right before the series started pretty much. Like you had a few weeks to book your flights. So I only had like a little bit of time to put this program together um, because I knew I wanted to do it, but we didn't know when the races were going to be. At the beginning of the year, we all thought that uh, the national series was elite and age group. And then it changed. And now it's like two completely separate things. So um, yeah, dude, I, I put out like pretty cool program and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So just for, for people, how do they, how would they get on board? How would they sign up? Uh, if you're on Instagram, which I know most of you are, uh, you can click the link in my bio and it'll take you to my website where you can uh, register for it. Or if you want any information on it, there's full webpage, like describing what it is. Uh, you can also message me on there, but uh, blackforceperformancetraining.com will take you right to it. And uh, you can see what it is, but I mean, it's cheap. It's only 200 bucks and you get like 26 weeks of training, 24 weeks, 26 weeks. I mean, that's a ton. Um, and it gives you all the tools, all the workouts that I would suggest, um, power building for upper body. Um, and then all your compromised work and how to implement that, like leading into events, some specificity, like it's, it's a solid program. And if I was competing in those races, I'd follow that program to a T uh, maybe stack a little extra volume on top, but it's, uh, it's got all the tools to, to make a really successful athlete. And if, if you're serious about the age group national series and you're fighting to get on the podium, or if you're on the podium and you're, you're looking to take that top spot, I, I think it's a fantastic tool for athletes. Um, I, I really recommend it. And I don't like to like promote stuff that I don't believe in. That's why I've like got like some more obscure sponsors like i've had offers from from some brands that uh, i don't really like um but I, it feels good to promote stuff that you actually believe in and i believe in this program i think it's like 
a fantastic tool. Awesome. Well, BJ, that's all I got for you for tonight. Bethany? No, that was great. Thanks so much, BJ, for joining us. It was awesome um, to get to talk to you and congrats on the first win of the season. Thank you. We're hoping to keep some rolling. Uh, you know, go, like San Luis Obispo looks to be one of the most stacked fields I think we've ever had. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. Like I know there's a few Ryans that are on the fence and haven't confirmed if they're showing up yet. But if they do show up, this is easily the most competitive race maybe of all time. Like it's insane. I don't know if you guys have seen the start list yet, but uh, old guard, new guard, youngins, the, the whole mix is there. So uh, honestly, if you're in the top 10 at that race, that's an accomplishment. So uh, I, I'm excited to throw down with these guys and um, excited to show Hunter what's up. <laughs> that's a great band, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot, VJ. Gotcha. Thanks, man.